how was your weekend? By the time you're listening to this, the weekend is past and today is Monday. If you're in the East, it's sit at home. Then if you're not in the East, it's a working day, a normal working day. <laughs> I'm in the East at this moment, so it's, it's, it's sit at home. It means parents are home, so I recorded this not in the house, not in the main house. There's a big here, so I went there to record this. At least I'm still where there is a big here when I leave here because, you know, we still have to go. It won't be at a big here anymore, but I don't know where it's going to be. And I think that's the wonder of life. The uncertainty shouldn't make us too anxious. It should make us, like, embrace that knowing that exciting things can come out of it. Is everything also predictable? I think life would be a tad bit boring. We like predictable, but at the same time, we like the unpredictable too. <laughs> this is just me riffing. How are you? So good to have you here again listening. Thank you for coming by again. I mean, I know you have a lot to do, but you taking the time to hear this, it means the world to me. Thank you. God bless you. I love you. I really do. I appreciate you tons. Okay, so... Today, I finally decided on a historical. Like, I decided that I want to just do a historical story today. The name of the novel is Duchess War. Please forgive me, I did not confirm which author <laughs> wrote today's end. I haven't, let me, I'll confirm it in the show notes, definitely. You'll see it in the show notes, but it's not here yet. So, the Duchess War, I think it's Cotney Milano, sir. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, so this one is the 1800s, like, that's the 19th century England, and obviously, at this period of time, the English nobility were highly revered. A particular young, handsome duke named Robert just came into town. Robert just, ooh, my screen is working again. Sorry, I have this um, laptop, you know, that is like all these notebook laptops, and the screen and the keyboard is attachable. So what happens sometimes is that the... The screen is a it's it's a touch tab. That's what they call it, right? Like it's a touch screen. Yes, touch screen. So sometimes the touch screen works. Sometimes it goes on a vacation. Right now the touch screen is working, and I'm like, oh, it's it's unvacated itself again. So that's it. <laughs> okay, moving on. So we're we're in the 19th century. This is a period where the English nobility were highly revered. Then a particular young handsome duke named Robert. He just came to the town of Leicester. And his arrival coincided with events of radical handbills spreading around, right? So it's like, okay, handsome Dick just came into town and this radical handbills are getting spread around. So he's the likely suspect, yeah? But the thing that, but here's the problem. People who are supposed to gain from the radical handbills is the Duke. So he can't, he, 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 like by logic, he shouldn't be involved in something like that because it's going to hurt him, Yeah. So we don't know yet. Let's keep going. Captain of the town's militia, George Stevens, like, he's a captain of the town's militia, and he wanted to ensure peace and order by preventing the workers from rising against their masters in a protest over their wages and working conditions. So those radical handbills were, like, inciting workers to demand more from their masters, like, to demand that, okay, the masters should pay better, should treat the workers well, and... This George Stevens guy, he didn't want that to be spreading around. I mean, it's going to disrupt the peace and order if the workers demand for better wages and better working conditions. So to to just so his aim was to just cash this person who's distributing these um radical handbills, but and so that he will end this opera. Uh, but unfortunately, his chief suspect was Minnie. Minnie is our lead girl. So Minnie is 
just a girl who is, you know, in this society have all this strata. So her position in society is like, she's average. She's not a peasant, but she's not a rich person or nobility either. But she's in a position where she can marry a nobility who is not looking for a, you know, wealthy dowry. But because her aunt is like one of her aunts. She lives with two of her aunts that they're her guardians. One of our aunts is related to a wealthy person, like a nobility. So is that kind of thing of, oh, if you're related to a nobility distantly or directly, somehow you're a nobility too, that kind of thing. So that was it. So that's kind of Minnie's um, social position in the society. Minnie denied Sherodo's handbills when he confronted her, but he was convinced because the handbills were signed de minimis, which meant trifles in another language and had no connection to Minnie at all. The other reason he suspected her was because she belongs to a voluntary organization, the Workers' Hygiene Commission, and volunteered to make up the bills the commission needed. Like, you already seen that what this girl is doing is not even anything radical. How does Workers' Hygiene Commission connect with her spreading handbills? But Sha, this George Stevens guy was desperate to catch a culprit, so he could literally pin it on anybody, no matter how vague. You understand? So Minnie knew there was no way his evidence would point to her if he conducted a thorough investigation. She knew. She's innocent, so she knows that even if you carry an investigation, I won't be the person. I didn't do it. But what she was scared is that that investigation could lead him to a long-buried secret that she doesn't want to come out. So she came up with a plan to find the culprit herself and turn whoever it was over to him so they wouldn't investigate her too deeply. Do you understand? So her secrets could stay buried. Very clever plan. And the thing about Minnie is that she had this quiet, introverted persona that she presented to the world. She never raised her voice. She shied away from attention in any form. It was so bad that one, one of the persons who wanted to marry her, one go for nothing guy like that, referred to her as a rodent. Hmm. But Minnie was ambitious. Like, this girl has dreams. This girl is intelligent. Yeah, she couldn't do anything to show forth herself. So, because there was just much at stake. For her to leave, she had to be a mouse, that kind of thing. She had to, like, don't on that personality of a mouse. Like, don't be sane, don't be head kind of thing. And it did take long for Minnie to make some calculations in her head and decide that the evidence pointed to the Duke as a culprit. She made a bold step by calling on him at his house with her best friend. That's, that's what they call when you make house visitations. And you don't just go and call any Duke. It's not done, like, it's not... But she actually went with her friend, so the fact that she came with, ah, you know, somebody else might be better, but... Yeah. And it's in, it's in the country. It's not in London. So you can do some things that are not so formal when you're in the country compared to when, like, you're in the countryside compared to when you're in town, like when you're in London and stuff. So she, she went to his house, to the Duke's house with her friend. And obviously, her friend just like, you know, she went to meet him privately. Obviously, the office door was open. Her friend could see them talking, but she couldn't hear what they're saying. This girl literally blackmailed the Duke. Like, she blackmailed Robert. After all, she had nothing to lose. Is him? Is you understand? So there's nothing she had to lose. So she blackmailed him. The Duke Robert was taken aback by Minnie's accusation, but mostly by her way of doing it. Like it's not the fact that she's blackmailing him that struck him; it's how she did it. And like how she just she was, she was just her head was bent low. She looked humble. Somebody watching them would think that she's not saying anything. But as she's quiet like that, she's dropping she's dropping bump. Do you understand? That sort of thing. Then he demanded proof of why she suspected him to be this person who's distributing these handbills and said she was trying to make him look like the culprit and protect her friends. Minnie was silent and she just listened to him talk. 
at the end of his condescending speech, because it was it was quite condescending, she calmly pointed out a few facts based on, based on what he said and what he didn't write on the pamphlet. He wrote like a master, not a laborer, addressing what masters didn't do and not wanting of what laborers did. Because she was like, if it was a laborer that wrote this thing, a laborer would write what they do. But you are writing what masters should not, like, didn't do. That means you're writing from a position of a master. That even makes you more of the person who wrote this thing. That kind of thing. So Robert was impressed. He had never met anyone like her before. Others looked at him and saw a duke, whereas she looked at him and saw a man who wrote radical handbills. He asked why she was doing this, and she told him to stop because suspicion was on her, and it would affect her chances, her chances of marriage if her past came out. You know, in this time now, a woman's what, you know, ends up being, can you marry? Do you understand? So she really needed to get married, and she was already 24 at this time. He proposed an alternate solution of cutting her so that she would have more options for a husband because if a duke indicated interest in someone, other men would automatically turn their interest on the miss. I mean, Q Bridgerton. I mean, that's literally what happened in Bridgerton season one, but the guy turned his attention, the duke turned his attention on Daphne, right? And the thing, it was supposed to make more suitors interested in her, although they fell in love now, no mouse. So, <laughs> so anyhow, moving on. <clears throat> Well, he wanted to do this for her, like cut her, cut, um, pretend cut her so that she can get married and he'll keep on writing. That, but Robert explained that actually, if she had never come to him, if she had never suspected he was a culprit and came to him like she did, he wouldn't have a reason to explain why he's doing this thing to her. But he actually explained to her that, see why I'm doing this thing. My father did a lot of wrong things and I'm trying to make up for what my father did. And that's why I can't stop writing these handbills. Because her own words, can you stop writing it? But he's like, he can't stop. Instead, look at what I can do for you. And she didn't want what he was doing for her. He's, she's like, don't do it. I don't want it. Just stop this thing. So what she now said is, okay, if you say you're going to keep writing these handbills, no wala. That me, I'll gather evidence against you. And I'll, and I'll drop hints that points to you as a culprit. He wasn't alarmed. Instead, he promised her that she would have an offer of marriage before he leaves town, even if he had to do the job himself. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I came to blackmail you. Now you're telling me you'll marry me. <laughs> that, oh, is marriage a problem? No problem. I'll marry you. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually such... I, I loved them from the beginning. They were, they were such an interesting couple. They, that kind of thing. They still are. I mean, they're in books, so I feel like they're eternal, right? So... She replied that he can't flirt with someone who wasn't cooperative because she was like, even if you decide to cut me, I won't cooperate. So, and to just make it look dumb. So he took it, he took it on as a challenge. For the next couple of weeks, he made up his mind to flirt with her while she made up her mind to find concrete evidence against him. Just look at them. Very funny game. So as a ruse, the ladies had to come to Robert because the ruse the ladies used to even come to visit him in the first place was that Oh, we are coming to ask for a donation for the Workers' Commission. Yeah? And then, because of that ruse, still, in as much as he knew it was a ruse, the main thing she came for was to blackmail him. But even as they told him, uh, see, we came for this thing, no. He still gave £100 to their cause. £100 is a lot of money in that time. Maybe probably worth a few thousand dollars today. So, since he was now a donor, he could attend the commission's meetings. And although the next meeting was held in a ramshackle of a place, I'm going to use some old English words. Ramshackle is not... We, we, would, we would say, in modern world, we'll probably call it a slum, right? So that was where the next meeting held. But the, dudes, the Duke still came there for the meeting. 
you know, he could come as far, oh, I donated so I can come. So he showed up, but he sat at the back where no one would notice his presence. He observed the proceedings of the meeting from there, and Minnie's quiet command of authority and influence, which she executed. This girl was able to be, to you know, to like command authority and influence without giving herself credit and staying away from attention. That is, <laughs> that is a skill, y'all. Like, oh my gosh. So he wondered how she did it. Like, my goodness, is anyone even noticed she's doing this right now? Or is it just me? That was what he was thinking to himself. So in the meeting, Stevens, that just Stevens guy, the captain of the town's militia, he nearly caused a ruckus, but the situation was diffused by other men present and the Duke, who volunteered to go with three of the ladies to paste the hygiene pamphlets. So Stevens didn't want to get in trouble with the Duke. And Robert, and Robert, the Duke, made a mental note there and then to remove the guy from the office. He's like, he just thought to himself, this is just Stephen's guy, so much trouble. Let me, I need to remove him from his, this is his position as captain. Let's, let me rest. And so, honestly, the just Stephen's guy, he's tiring. I had to speak that one in Igbo. So after the meeting, Robert approached Minnie and then he talked with her. He's somewhere, he's somewhere observing them from a distance. Minnie appeared shy with her head lower to the ground in a way that was respectable. But she was in fact standing up to him and they were in a battle of wits. It was then that Robert understood what she meant when she said her pursuing her wounds work because she wouldn't be cooperative. Like it was that bad from an, a third person's point of view. So, later, Minnie turned down the proposal from Mr. Godley, her only suitor, the one who called her rodent, because he thought he was doing her a favor if he married her. She did this because she weighed the pros and cons. Mr. Godley wasn't a good man. He wanted a mousy, quiet wife who would keep his mom happy while he went on to have mistresses and do whatever he wanted, and his wife wouldn't object. Minnie did need to get married because she was raised by two of her great aunts since she was 12. One of them owned the farm they lived on and was distantly related to gentility. And this, that affiliation granted them some respectability, even though they didn't have money. If this aunt that owned the farm were to die first, the other great aunt and many would be homeless because the property would go to the ownership of the aunt's distant nephew. English laws at the time and all. A woman can't have property, so it's just because, oh, yes, my aunt, our family has property, so have this farm. If you die, we shall collect it back. Do you understand that kind of thing? So the people that is living with you, they have to find their own way. And that reason why Minnie desperately needed to get married was because of her past. If it, if it ever came out that her past, that her life was done, but f- was done for. But then Stevens was already onto her. Do you understand? This Stevens guy was already onto her because of the radical handbills. And thing was threatening to bring out that past that she wanted to protect. And going by Mr. Gadley's character, if the truth came out, he'll straight throw her out. You're trying to marry somebody so you won't be thrown out. And to protect your past scandal. But if this past scandal came out, which is looking like it's going to, this man will still throw you out. So why are you bothering to marry him? That's So that's why she was like, either way, she'll be destitute. So let me sharp play nowhere I day now. Instead of counting on this good for nothing man to protect me. That sort of thing. So on the day they were to paste the pamphlets, because remember that Robert volunteered to go with three of the ladies to paste pamphlets. Robert came dressed in the past of a roguish, average, good-looking man. And Minnie was just so hyper-aware of him. Between them, the attraction was building so much that Lydia, Minnie's best friend, noticed and deliberately went off with the other girls so that Minnie and Robert could be a pair because we are doing like pairs hang up the pamphlets together. So in the process of pasting, Robert not so accidentally flicked some paste on Minnie's skirt, you know, that moment. So they had to go to the water pump to get the, 
the paste cleaned off. The water pump was located in a courtyard that provided some privacy. So Robert took off his neck scarf and used it to clean off the paste. They had a passionate exchange of words. And Minnie rose on her tiptoes and kissed them. So from that day, something changed between them because when Robert invited Minnie to a gathering where his scientist, where his scientist cousin Sebastian was presenting his research, she agreed even though she dreaded crowds and liked to stay on the edge. So Minnie embellished one of her, like, she improved, embellished, <laughs> improved one of her plain serviceable gowns for the gathering by attaching real flowers at the hem, at the cuffs, so it to look better because her gowns were just so old and drab and simple. They didn't have money now. So unfortunately, protesters of the research, because the research has to do with Darwin's um, theory, that whole hereditary theory thing. You know, anytime a, a scientist comes up with anything new that time, it's like, heresy, you're going against the church, you're going against God. That kind of, that's the kind of attitude scientists normally face against their work at those times. And, and Sebastian, this um, Robert's cousin, wasn't any different. People used to regard him as a madman, as an atheist, as many different things, just because of his work as a scientist. So, and so when people came to protest in the meeting, although Minnie was seated at the back, but some of the people who came to protest, they brought their goats. Do you understand? And Minnie had flowers, like flowers that goats like to eat on her gown. So what it then did was that these protesters released goats at the gathering and they came for the flowers on Minnie's dress. And what it did was, you know, a lot of, crowd, a lot of people are now watching her. And Minnie doesn't like to be the center of attention. You understand that kind of thing? She was sitting at the back hole, but the goats came for her which attracted attention to her. So the moment she noticed that people were gathering around to witness the spectacle of goats trying to eat her flower, the flowers on her dress, she fainted. So it was actually Robert that cleared a path through the trunk of people and he carried her out there, completely disregarding his status as a duke. I don't know if you see that kind of action now sparked rumors. Like, oh my God, who is she that the duke, like a duke would carry you out of a place like that? So the thing turned a lot of attention on many. Do you get so when Minnie woke up, <laughs> trust this guy, trust this guy. I love this guy. The guy straight up proposed to her, reminding her of his promise on the day he said he'd chase her and that if it ever came down to it, he'll marry her himself. A lot had changed between them since that fateful day. Minnie, first of all, Minnie had gathered substantial evidence to prove that, to prove to anyone that Robert, not her, wrote those handbills. And the most convincing evidence that she had was actually from Robert himself. Because he sent a letter to her. Because you know they're already getting... They've had a lot of moments before this shower. But I'm just summarizing this gist for you. And... But... one Over the their weeks of relationship... There, there was a letter he sent to her. In his own hand. In his own signature. Where he confessed that... Oh, I wrote those radical handbills. And he put the power in her hand to do whatever she wanted with the truth. You get that kind of thing. Also, many knew Robert on a first name basis. Including his backstory. Like, even before now, she used to call him Robert just when he's the two of them, obviously. And, but obviously, when in public, you say my lord or whatever address is right to say to a duke. So, he's paternal grandfather. Now, and okay, look at Robert's backstory because now many knew Robert on a first name basis and his backstory. So, his paternal grandfather was a wealthy trader who had a daughter with a hefty dowry. You know, that daughter is Robert's mom now. And that's what attracted Robert's late father who pursued that wealthy daughter and eventually married her. But he, he didn't fully possess his wife's dowry because her father had arranged the dowry to be released bit by bit. Yeah, this bit were only to come if his daughter was living in the same house as her husband, the Duke. 
That's Robert's father, who had died now. So Robert's father was a scoundrel of a duke. Remember that part of the reason he's doing these radical handbills was that his father wasn't a good person. He didn't treat workers well. So Robert came in as a duke and he wanted to do a lot of things right to make amends for the wrongs his father did. So, so Robert's dad is scoundrel of a man. He couldn't stop cheating, drinking, lying. He was a duke, so he could pretty much get away with anything. This broke his mother's heart and she left her husband. That is, they lived separately because divorce was rare at the time. You know, they, they're not divorced, but they shall live separately. Since the child was her husband's um, um, legally, it's not like now the woman can, you know, take the child and go. Then the husband, the child belongs to the husband. So the woman couldn't do anything about it. So that's why. So what she did was harden herself to her child because she knew that if she was soft towards her child, her husband, the duke would play it as a card to keep her in the house so that he can still be receiving the bits of her dowry. And she didn't want him to be receiving money, bah? because he wasn't a good person. So what she did was she just left the house and she hardened herself against to her own child so that the, guy, the man would not be getting money and everything. That was really what happened. So she carried on this act of not caring about her child until it became reality. So even after her husband passed away, her and her son Robert didn't get along. They have this very icy relationship, eh? Ah. So Robert was a war casualty of his parents, and he grew up without love, although he had money and power. Yet, he, f- yet he did find familial love with two of his cousins, Sabi- Sebastian, the scientist, and then a widowed countess, Violet. Best of all was his bastard brother, Oliver, who was his man of business. His father had raped Oliver's mother, and she gave birth to him. But Oliver wasn't bitter about it. He was a good man. I was actually going to read Oliver's novel next. Oh, but I don't know why it's not available anywhere. I'm still going to look for it. Oliver's story should be so good because he married a woman. Or rather, he, the, 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 the way the synopsis of the novel is going, he's going to marry a woman who's pretending to be so goddamn awful. Like, the lady is making herself a clown so that rich men, so that men will not come to her because of her money. Ah, oh, God, I'm going off tangent. I'm going to just see Oliver's story later. Not now. But it's so good. So Minnie knew Robert's story, but he didn't know hers. So she started by telling him her real name and the fact that until she was 12 years old, her father made her dress up in boys' clothing. So when the Duchess, Robert's mother, heard of his association with a poor girl, the lady, like that, the Duchess went to see Minnie. But what happened was unexpected. You know, normally when the rich moms come to see you, they're like, so me, and the girl is like, all shy. But, oh my goodness, I love that. I love, like... The, the Duchess and Minnie's interactions were like one of my favorite parts of the book. It's so good. The Duchess liked how Minnie didn't cower to her, but she knew Minnie would have a hard time in society because of the scar on her face. She's a poor girl. So to the Duchess, she was trying to help Minnie. So she just said, okay, you know what? I know you need money. I'll pay you off. Then you can leave my son alone. Like, it's not even leave my son alone because she knows how her son is the kind of person that will not even leave the girl alone. It's just, I'll pay you off so you can betray my son because if you betray my son, he would want nothing to do with you. So the judges literally asked Minnie to betray Robert to, to the point that he would abandon the idea of marrying her because Robert was really keen on marrying Minnie. Unfortunately, that very evening, Lydia came to Minnie's house with the news that Stevens was back from Manchester because the Stevens guy, he went to Manchester to investigate the radical handbills and Minnie's background. It's not even the radical handbills he was investigating again. He was just so convinced that Minnie was a criminal. He was just trying to get her background and prove, yes, you're the one who read these radical handbills. 
So the thing on Etta the Truth, and then he found out Minnie's truth and her real name. She, he, then Lydia was like, Minnie, you have to come over to my house now. They're dead, and his dad is considered my father. So come now and deny these accusations. Minnie took this as a sign that, okay, this. And then she gathered up the evidence she had to prove that it was Robert that wrote the handbills. And she presented the, 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 she presented the evidence to Stephen, so had no choice but to let her go. Unfortunately, he didn't discover the story behind her name, so her past was still buried for now. Because she betrayed the Duke, Minnie made up her mind to take the money that the Duchess was offering and then flee to a different continent after seeing that her great aunts were comfortable. So, like, she'll make sure her great her aunts are comfortable, then she'll leave the country. Stevens couldn't arrest Robert because his position offered him immunity, but he still sought for an accomplice he could, blame, he could pin the blame on. Robert always suspected that this would be the case were he ever to be caught after the loan from the get-go. And not a soul knew about what he was doing, that he was the person who was actually wrote this handbill until many figured it out in less than a day of meeting him. So there was technically no accomplice, yet Stevens created one. Now, I'm still going to reveal who Stevens painted out to be the culprit. But moving on, Minnie's betrayal hurt Robert and he turned his back on her like his mom suspected he would. But when he had dinner with his mother, she admitted she made Minnie do it. That that wasn't what swayed Robert. Like, okay, you paid her to betray me. Okay, I get it. But what swayed Robert was when Minnie's real name came up. Like, And then his mom frowned. I was like, Minerva Lane? That's Minnie's real name, Minerva Lane. But she's going by Wilhelmina. Wilhelmina something something. And it's so funny. God, there was this scene in the book where um, the Duke asked her, so why do you go by Minnie? She was like, uh, Will is too masculine. And if it's and imagine how it would feel like if I came up to you and said, Hi, my name is Hell. <laughs> like, you know, Will Hell me now. So it's it's obvious it was a third syllable meaning that had to become the nickname, but it also coincides with her real name, Minerva Lane. Do you understand? So um, his mom was like, Minerva Lane? She wasn't just ruined, she was utterly destroyed. Like the fact that so the thing now led him to asking his mom more questions, and then he found out Minnie's actual backstory. Do you understand? And why it was so important for her to hide her past. So Robert went to meet Minnie, and then he asked her for her story. She told him her father was a fake son of a baronet and had no money. So that whole this so Minnie still technically gentility, but not really. You know, all these people is only the first son that is inherit anything. From second son down, <laughs> go and find your way. That kind of thing. It's that bad. So he, the, the man didn't have any money. Her, son, her father was the fifth son. He didn't have any money, but he was good at chess and he was very charismatic. So he got invited to a lot of places and into a lot of wealthy circles because of his chess playing and his charm. So Minnie's mom passed away when she was five years old and her father needed to take her with him on his travels around the world because she didn't have a parent again now. But as a young girl, she needed a governess, a nanny, and certain things I couldn't afford because he didn't have money. That was when he came up with the plan that she should pretend to be a boy because as a boy, she wouldn't need a governess, a nanny, and all those extra expenses. He could just take her and be going anyhow. So he promised her that it would be fun, then they traveled. A genius, like her father, Minnie played chess like no other. She was unbeatable. She was always silent and watching, like always learning the game just while observing. In fact, she was famous for it. However, by the time she was 12, her father was so neck deep in debt that he asked Minnie to deliberately lose in a, che- in a chess game because he had betted against her. Minnie refused and her father took extreme measures. On the day of the game, he stood up and announced in the middle of the game that Minnie was a girl masquerading as a boy and this automatically disqualified her. What's worse was that he was taken to court and the day of his court appearance was also Minnie's first appearance in public as a girl. 
She looked and felt so awkward. Understand, like her hair was short. She couldn't really walk as a girl. She was, you know, she's been working as a boy for many years. So understand, Minnie's father blamed her for everything that had befallen him. But befallen him, like a grown man blaming a twelve-year-old that she's that she's a devil spawn. This is your father that is like your best friend. Like Minnie loves her dad. Minnie and her dad were best friends, but the man just betrayed her so much. Andy. He, and he, he claimed that she was the person who came up with a plan to be a boy. And then the judge felt pity for him, sentenced him to two years of hard labor on the charge of petty fraud. But then the man could not even suffer hard labor. He died halfway through, leaving the stigma without undoing the stigma he left on his daughter. Meanwhile, after the court section was over, people gathered around Minnie and threw rocks at her. Like, oh, yeah, the person that caused your father this misfortune. You're a bad child. They threw rocks at her. And the thing ended up scarring her cheek. Like one part of her cheek, there's this spider-like web there. It was her great aunt that came to her rescue, changed her name to Wilhelmina, and took her to Leicester, where she could quietly live out the rest of her days. Minnie hated the fact that, because she was used to traveling, she was used to being out there, but then this had to become her new normal. So Robert took her in his arms when he heard the story, and he promised to always protect her. They got married, and the Duchess in opposite. Minnie also returned the Duchess's back drafts, like the money, like... So the Duchess was so involved in their wedding that she arranged Minnie's wedding trussel. Like, trussel is like, you know, items for a new bride and everything. And she, she arranged that new gowns be made for her. It was also the Duchess who arranged for their honeymoon to, be, to hold in Paris. So however, when they were, their honeymoon was half, halfway, Robert received word that Stevens had taken Oliver. So the person who he painted as a corporate now was Oliver. Like, that is Robert's um, bastard half-brother, step-brother. And then and he planned to um, discharge Oliver with criminal sedition. That's a charge that can get Oliver hanged. It's very serious. So Robert was angry and pissed on him at himself for not having dealt with Stevens before going on his honeymoon. And now his brother was suffering because of him. Stevens knew Oliver wasn't guilty, but he didn't care. You know, Robert initially planned to remove Stevens from his position, but he was just so caught up in mini radical handbills his wedding that he forgot to take care of the man and look at how he came back now he's hurting him through his brother so he and Minnie now rushed back to leicester and then they were able to prove that it was robert not oliver who wrote those handbills however there was a catch Minnie's identity as a former chess champion had to be revealed to justify a chess stem from a chess book that robert used in one of the handbills because Honestly, the, the, like the second hand bill the guy released after that first one that Mini made confront, like made Mini know that he's a person who is writing these hand bills. Th- that was a that was a term, that was a term he used there, like a discovered attack, somewhat of a discovered attack. That that phrase is is is, is something that only someone in chess would know. So the fact that it's there and every is a is public knowledge that Robert is not that interested in chess. So he cannot even say, "Oh, I saw it in a book like this." So he had to reveal who said it and how the girl knew that would do you understand so that's how many gods implicated in the whole thing and that part she was trying to cover still came out do you understand so that's the thing that's why it was necessary so to me surprise because she expected that oh my god the truth came out i'm going to be stoned everybody's going to remember what happened but her surprise no one came attacking her for her past because not only was she now a duchess Remember, she's a duke's wife now. She's married to Robert. But her mother-in-law and her husband were stoically on her side and were willing to do damage to anyone who tried to condemn her. Like, I love Duchess. Like, Robert's mom is a badass. Well, if this lady's on your side, because this lady has power. This lady has money. Like, you can't do anything. 
Do you understand? And she loves her daughter-in-law. So we love stories like this. You know, the last story we shared, the, the, the daughter and mother-in-law were also like, they got along. This story, the same thing. So it's really cool to see relationships like that. So Stevens was discharged from service because he took bribes to carry out his duty. And then the magistrate, Lydia's father, proved it. There was a meeting with the press at the, at the, at the Duke's Leicester home. And Minnie showed up side by side with her husband to answer their questions. So public sympathy shifted in her favor, and she was finally able to overcome her past. So four years later, Minnie had a three-year-old son, Evans, whom his grandmother, like dad's, um, was um, Robert's mom. Now they had a better relationship, and she fawned over him, and the family lived happily ever after. So it's a really good story. Yeah, so... <laughs> I love this theory. And I think I summarized this one way better than the last one. This was, this was actually the first theory I summarized. Then the other ones, I feel as, as if I couldn't like cut out enough. So do you prefer like this shorter version of my gist or a longer version? Like, you know, this first one. Because all the stories just ended today. So, <laughs> Nian, thank you for listening. See you on the next episode. We'll talk about a few things, but until then.